This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, and I'm your host for today's program. You know, we know without a doubt that salvation is a free gift of God to all who believe in Jesus for forgiveness of sin. But you know, to be a follower of Christ, a disciple that clings to his leading will cost you everything. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 39, he says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. As God molds us into the image of Jesus, there will be pain, there will be suffering, and as our guest today puts it, God will break your heart. Our guest is Ed Underwood. Ed is executive officer and lead counselor of Recentered Group, a ministry that helps churches get healthy and thrive by loving one another and equipping leaders to cultivate a disciple-making community. Ed brings over 40 years experience as a lead pastor serving the historic Church of the Open Door in Southern California for the last 21 years. He's the author of several books, including the one that we'll be discussing over the next couple of weeks, When God Breaks Your Heart. Welcome, Ed Underwood, to Saving Grace. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I've heard you speak on several occasions and have just waited for this opportunity to share you with our audiences. Uh, You know, Ed, as you mentioned in your book, everyone at some point feels that when life hurts more than imaginable, that God has let us down. Uh, That's your experience, too. And I'd ask if you would share just a bit of your personal story of pain that took you to that point. Oh, sure. I was, um, it was uh, in 2000, I I was 50, when I was uh, 50 years old, I had had come to Southern California uh, to pastor the historic Church of the Open Door. And uh, it was really uh, a troubled church at that time. It had split a couple of times. And, and, and so I had been there for four years. And uh, because of the really physical life I led as a youth, I was a, I was a firefighter on a hotshot crew uh, here in uh, Southern California for seven years. I was in the Army for four years. Uh, I was airborne. I jumped out of airplanes. Anyway, mm-hmm. I had to, I had to get a, a knee replacement at, at the age of 43. That was while we were still in Oregon. I came down here, and after four years, my knee, um, my knee got the knee implant got infected. Of course, that's very dangerous. Yes. And um, and so they, uh, I went to just this was just God guiding me. I went to a doctor uh, in Pasadena, and the only reason I knew about this doctor was was that I'm a Dodger, this is how God does me. I'm a Dodger fan, and I knew about a certain orthopedic group that took care of the Dodgers, so I went to Pasadena, <laughs> and uh, this guy at Pasadena said, you're really in trouble, and he sent me to uh, University of Southern California, and uh, and, and they redid the, the knee replacement, but for some reason, um, I started rashing, and uh, and I, I couldn't quit rashing. My skin wouldn't stay on. Mm, mm. So, um, and that was four years in at Church of the Open Door. 
and um, and then uh, I had to go back into the hospital. I uh, Judy came home from work for two minutes late, and um, she'd only she hadn't been working a week. First time she ever worked in our in our married life, and I was disfigured. Uh, I had kidney failure, so I went back in the hospital for a long time, and finally they diagnosed me with this leukemia, and uh, it really uh, it jarred me. It, it shook my world uh, because um, I just uh, I didn't think. Uh, well, I was in despair, and I was mm-hmm. suffering. There's, there's something about physical suffering mm. that uh, focuses all of your attention. It's like, uh, especially when you're almost dying. Yeah. Um, I was just really inside myself. I couldn't talk. I was just in, in, a, in a hospital bed. And then uh, I wrote, When God Breaks Your Heart, um, a, a man who uh, was real important in my life, encouraged me. I was writing blogs about my disease and about what I was going through in this faith crisis. Yes. And and he talked me into making it into a book. Mm. I'm so glad he did. It's an incredible story and uh, we'll encourage our listeners to to read it. You know, you mentioned your experience as a uh, as a, in the military and as a firefighter. So you have seen the worst kinds of physical and emotional pain. I know you have cried and prayed with people who are suffering. But you say that it wasn't until your own long season of suffering and it has been a long one that you finally yeah. understood how believers could actually lose their faith, not their salvation, but they could lose their their sense of faith in God in, in those times. Right. Talk yeah. about your grievances with the Lord, because I know we're going to have listeners that are going to go, yep, that's exactly the way I feel. So what do I do about it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, uh, as a fireman, I... Uh, uh, we were on fires where uh, firefighters got killed, uh, where helicopters crashed. Uh, when I was a, an army officer, I, I, I wasn't. I was during the Cold War, and I was in Germany. But we still had deaths in the in, in our battalion from guys getting crushed by vehicles and things like that. Um, and then, of course, as a pastor, I had prayed with many people. Uh, what I would say is, there's a difference between. A huge difference between standing and praying for a person at their deathbed and being in your own deathbed. Wow! That's, yes, that's, that's a that, there's a huge difference there, and uh, so yeah, I just uh, the um, wh- what happened was I uh, I said to Judy the original uh, the the original. Um, title of When God Breaks Your Heart when I submitted it uh, was uh, Not My Child hmm. and uh, and this was a night uh, a real painful night I was home by then but still my skin wouldn't stay on it was it was absolutely uh, the number one reason for death and with the disease that I have when it really manifests is suicide wow, wow. because you are, you are just simply miserable and, and rashing your skin won't stay on Anyway, um, I went to bed one night. Judy knew that I was like she was losing me, and and I said, "Look, I'm a father. If if one of my children 
was going through what I'm going through right now and I could do something about it, I would do it. Yeah. So I I don't feel like it's trapped right now. So that Mm -hmm. was the the original. um, But the second chapter was When God Breaks Your Heart. And they were right. The the publisher said, no, no, that's your title. But I I didn't feel as if uh, I I didn't feel as if I was the uh, the object of our Heavenly Father's love, because if he was watching, he should do something about it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that is so common, Ed. It truly is. There are people, and it's not just cancer, is it? It's all types of suffering. But but we can reach a point when our when our when our pain and our suffering is so intense that we go. But God, where are you? Where are you? Uh, yeah. Well, I am thankful for your wife Judy, uh, who did not give up <laughs> yeah. hope, who continued to encourage your heart, and and she knew that God would bring you around, and He did through a familiar story in the Bible. And I tell you, Ed, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've read that story so many times, but I've never taken out of it the meat that you gave us uh, in your own time with the Lord uh, through your pain through your suffering so take us there if you will to that familiar story that uh that really changed your way of thinking yeah i was uh you know one of the blessings of being a pastor and being in in, and having to be in the bible all the time i had just finished a series on john uh on the first uh on the first 12 chapters of john and on the the seven signs you know, John twenty thirty. There are seven signs in John mm-hmm. one through twelve, and the final one is uh, Lazarus' resurrection. Yes. But um, I had thrown my Bible in the corner hmm. in, in anger, and uh, this. And Judy said, uh, "You know, we talked, and she was so she was it was just so like Judy. She said, okay, and she turned over to go to sleep. Before she did that, she said, God, we're mad at you tonight.'" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and we were, we yeah, were. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I got up the next morning and I just started reading John 11, except this time, not from the viewpoint of um, of Lazarus, because he he doesn't really have a special part to play, except that he dies. Yeah. Um, uh, but from the viewpoint of Mary and Martha. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is. Both Mary and Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my mm. brother would not have died. Mm. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, you got to think about how they must have felt. This is where Jesus went. When he went to Jerusalem, he stayed at their house. He, he felt safe there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had seen him heal all these people. And uh, and But their, their brother died. So... Uh, their their protest is, you know, you could have done you could have done something right. about this, and you didn't. Uh, Martha first, and and then Mary. Um, and, but it's interesting that they both say the same thing. Yeah. It truly is, and I, and again, it's that heartfelt sense that you had. Uh, you know, it's all. It is that. But I'm your child. Uh, if you if you had done what you said, you what we know you can do, you would have done it. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's that. That's the way we feel, you know. And uh, I think I think I uh, realized, uh, though I had preached against it, 
I just realized how much of a bargain uh, bargain theology I had, that if I served the Lord and was faithful and all those things, that somehow I could avoid suffering. And then I get to what my oncologist said is one of the worst uh, diseases you can have. Oh, I can imagine. I was just, sure it is, yes. And, and I, was, I was just thinking, God, there are plenty of candidates for you to give this disease to. Mm. Um, you know, go, go to South Central, give some guy that's dealing crack, but not me. Yeah. Um, it just didn't, I couldn't, you know, and if you're there, why didn't you do something? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, okay, so now we come to, to really asking God, really talking to God about the issue. We're, in other words, we're, we're finally going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to you and talk to you about this, Lord. Uh, James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. You shared in your book, and I had such a wow moment with this, uh, we need to know the difference between a request and a report. Explain what you mean by that and, and how we totally get that backwards. Well, well yeah. Um, so uh, what uh, Mary says, she sends the runners. Uh, so there, he's in Bethany of Korea, which was the, the province that he fled to uh, because the Sanhedrin had no, no power in that Roman province. And, uh, and, and of course, she's in Judea. Um, and they send a message and it says, uh, uh, therefore, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. He whom you love is sick. That's a report. Yeah. And God knew that. A, and he knew it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a report. That's not a prayer. Um, and, uh, since then, I've become extremely aware of it because, um, I don't know if we're going to get into this later, but as I was in, on my deathbed that one night, it was on Friday night, everybody was praying these these theologically perfect prayers, but they were like reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ed knows that you're sovereign and all that. And, uh, and, and then I also noticed that people like, talking about their prayer request more than often they will talk more about their prayer request than actually asking God for something. Mm. And, uh, he doesn't need reports. He knows what's going on. Yes. yes. Um, we need to, you know, the Jesus said, uh, uh, ask, he's a good father asking for what you want. Doesn't yeah. mean that we're demanding it, but, uh, so anyway, um, I can. Re- I just think that that was so typical. Um, mm. that the one who you love is sick. Without, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a report, not a prayer. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, now what prompts us to to do that? Because we do that when I when I was thinking about the way we pray. You know, we we acknowledge, you know, God, you're on your throne, and you you know, you're in charge, you're control, you're all powerful. Da 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 da. And He loves us to honor His name. But if we are losing a loved one, if we are suffering with pain that is intense, uh, we can skip all that, right? <laughs> we can go right to yeah. the point. Yeah, uh, I think we need to get right to it. And and I also think that sometimes we pray in ways that it seems pretty obvious to me that we're trying to take care of God's reputation. Mm. So if we don't ask him for something specific, and uh, so if we don't say, like, uh, I, I'm sure we'll get to this, the prayer that that, that uh, 
Charlie White, one of our elders, oh, prayed. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, please let Ed live and serve. That was a request. Um, and, and that's a specific request. So uh, Charlie risked God saying no to that mm. by asking for it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we do these, uh, we're trying to give God enough information that we will somehow persuade him. Yeah. Uh, because I always say the opposite of faith isn't sin. The opposite of faith is control. Mm. And um, so we're trying to somehow control God or box him in and give him enough information. But we don't want to uh, we don't want to soil his reputation if what we're asking for doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I think that's some of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, perhaps so. Perhaps so. And I think just tradition as well, Ed, where we've grown up saying a prayer a certain way. And this is what you say when someone's sick. This is what you say when you eat a meal. This, You know, and we and we don't just have real conversations with God. I'm sure he wants us to be very real with him. Uh, oh, so. gosh. Yeah, so true. You know, I, uh, I'm a Jesus movement convert, so uh, I didn't know anything about church. And, um, and I can remember people would be praying, I think, what are they talking about? They would pray for traveling mercies. And I was thinking, what in the world? What, what's going on here? Um, so, yeah, so we use phrases. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And, and yes, yes. Well, you know, and, and and it's not to make light of our wonderful prayer warriors who pray for us regularly. Oh my goodness. Right. Like you, I know, Ed, that is why I'm here today because of my incredible prayer warriors. They love yeah. me. They pray for me regularly. Uh, and God heard their prayers, no doubt about it. But, you know, I had my aunt, Becky. Uh, she would always say, Carmen, I am begging God to heal you. And, you know, Ed, that prayer, her telling me that she did that, brought such comfort to my heart. So I I could so relate when you talked about request versus a report, what you meant. You we needed to beg God, and that's what right. your friend Charlie White did, right? Yeah, Charlie White. Uh, uh, he's in heaven now. Uh, he was a retired pastor. He was seventy something, and I was dying. I mean, I was dying. My my son uh, was a newly commissioned lieutenant. And he, he had flown out from Georgia with his wife. My youngest daughter was w- with us in the room, and Judy was with us in the room, and all the elders, and they were praying. And I can remember thinking, I couldn't, I couldn't talk because I was so out of it, but I remember thinking in the confusion, why doesn't somebody ask God for something? Hmm. And that's when Charlie, he walked in, it's a dramatic moment. He walked in on two canes, he saw me, I was deformed. One of the elders' wives ran out of the room screaming when she looked at me. Because wow. it was just so, it was so disfiguring, this disease. And he handed his cane to somebody and he laid across my body like the prophet of old. And he said, Lord, please let this boy live and serve. You know, I was a boy to him, even though at 50. Yeah. And uh, I looked at my, at, at my uh, administrative assistant, Judy Kokoris, and I, and uh, when I finally came around and I said, Judy, because she was in the room, I said, could you please send, send that prayer to everybody we know? Mm-hmm. And on that night, we later, the Dallas Seminary community, the Ecola Bible College, the, all of our missionaries, uh, the church's, you know, friends, there were about 10,000 people praying that prayer that night. And mm-hmm. you can't tell me that's not the reason I live. Oh, wow. I, think, I agree. I think God said yes to that, yeah. 
Oh, I agree. Absolutely. You know, Ed, we all have times when we feel like the Lord has let us down, and we ask that question, why? Why? Uh, How do you address the why when you're waiting or loved ones are waiting for answers and miracles? Well, I think think I answer the why with a lot less certainty than I did in my in my younger years, mm. I like to take I like to take a lot of sermons back, um, <laughs> because the, the older I become, the more I realize that there is mystery to this loving God mm. that we can never fathom. Yes, and uh, you know uh, what what I always teach is that uh, it doesn't matter how much God loves me. If I don't trust his love, I can't receive the benefit of that love. Mm. And uh, the why, I mean, there are obviously, there are theological books that have been written on suffering, and I understand the fall and the implications of the fall and all of that. But I'm just telling you, man, when you're the person suffering, you do not want a theology Yes, You want someone to come to be with you and to ask God, for God's help, and uh, I think the answer to why is that we are going to trust him to be the good and loving God that he is, and we're going to keep on asking. Mm-hmm. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on knocking. Um, mm-hmm. It's in the present tense in the Greeks. It means you just keep on praying. Yes. And, yes. Uh, yeah, so like Judy and I, I have a very good friend, uh, an elder's wife, and uh, there's there's no earthly reason for her to live, but she is really going downhill fast. But I pray every morning for her to be healed. Oh, um, yes, yes. And who knows, you know? Um, but uh, it's not like you can get out of this world without suffering. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I love it that we have a God who so gets us. I mean, he made us, right? And and so, and, and of course, he sent his son uh, as human, as a fully human. Uh, you know, he came fully human so that he could truly grasp what we go through. And so it's wonderful to know that, yes, he loves us intensely. He cries with us. And uh, uh, he's just absolutely a loving God. Well, in our... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and what I would say is that Hebrews is the book that tells us that it tells mm. us that that God could not. I, I here's the way I put it: God couldn't stand not knowing what it feels like to be us. Mm. So that mm. he, I mean, that was one of the reasons. Obviously, he came to die for our sins. Yes. But uh, we're told that there's not one trial or temptation, not one category of trial or temptation that he hasn't faced. Mm-hmm. So uh, to know. That God, that this God seated at the right hand of the Father, knows what it feels like to be me, makes uh, makes Christ absolutely unique in all of the religions of all the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In our in our closing moment for for this program, Ed, you you talk about the fact that what we're going through it it does have something to do with God's glory, and also His love. We saw that in the story of Lazarus, it was all about His glory and then His love. Uh, 
in in just our closing moment, what comfort and counsel might you offer uh, regarding those truths? And, and like you say, we're, no one, when they're suffering, really wants us to read scriptures. And yet, there's so much truth and love in those scriptures that uh, that that are meant to bring us comfort. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting that um, Jesus says to Martha, so John eleven forty is the theme verse of, of the book, When God Breaks Your Heart. Uh, I had never seen it this way before, but of course, when I was suffering, I did. Uh, Jesus said to her, did, not, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And that is in the imperfect tense, meaning that he had told them this over and over and over and over and over again. Mm. And what we have to do is we have to trust the Lord, the, the, the love of God to bring glory from this circumstance. Mm-hmm. All of us are going to have tragedy. All of us are going to have heartbreak. All of us are going to have are going to die. I mean, you know, yes, um, yes. And we have to be trusting that God is going to bring glory in his way. Mm. And that was the verse that yeah. brought me back. I if you it. believe, you will see the glory of God. Amen. Amen. And we're certainly going to talk more about that in our next program. Uh, Just powerful, powerful workings of the Lord in your life, Ed Underwood. And I thank you for taking time to uh, encourage our our audience today. Uh, We've just begun to dig into the story of Martha and Mary and Lazarus and uh, a lot of more lessons for us all to learn. So we're going to have you back uh, next week to continue this discussion. Uh, So thank you for being here today. Uh, you're sure welcome, and I will be praying that hurting people hear this. I think it's what we need. Absolutely. Well, we hope today's topic has stirred your interest to get into God's Word, to dig deeper into those stories that you may have read since childhood, didn't realize there were truths that could carry you through your trials. We also encourage you to get a copy of the book, When God Breaks Your Heart. It's available through Recentered Group. Now, you'll find a link for this organization on our program promotion page at gsotedu group. So glad you tuned in today. Please tell others about Saving Grace. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, visit our website at gsot.edu slash center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.